0: Welcome to Stuff from the Science Lab from HowStuffWorks.com.
3: Hey guys, and welcome to the podcast. This is Allison Lattermill, the science editor at HowStuffWorks.com.
1: And this is Robert Lamb, science writer at HowStuffWorks.com.
3: In this episode, we finally took Stuff from the Science Lab on the road, although not very far down the road.
1: Yeah, not, not too bad
3: the georgia dome yeah. for the first championship held uh, april 15th through april 17th and we got up close and personal with 550 robots and their young masters
1: yeah it's it's pretty cool um just to i guess set the scene for everybody uh again this is the georgia dome this is where they play football hockey like i mean they- football Lots the yeah. football yeah I, this Do you is
3: like how i said that that's kind of with a southern accent football
1: yeah right i think so yeah this is the first time like we both of us went to it last year uh to cover it for the blocks so this was this was the first time that i've been back to the georgia dome uh, i'm just not a sports guy uh so you have this big you know sports uh auditorium type deal right and it's just but it's just loaded with nerds and i mean that in the most uh, complimentary uh fashion possible like these are just awesome nerdiness going on in this uh, this building um and of course, uh, chaperones, um adult volunteers, um, then, and then, then kids dressed up as their mascots. It's, it's amazing.
3: Yeah, there are a lot of mohawks going on. I actually i am a big fan of the mohawks, so that's, it's always nice to yeah. see some mohawks in it. In and
1: donuts. they're pumping music, uh, like all sorts of like high energy, you know, kind of, kind of beats going on. And I, it looks like everybody was on some sort of sugar um you know just in in a lot of audiovisual stuff like there's something with like when we first got there uh the rock was on this big screen talking about NASA um <laughs> I, I did not know didn't what that was that. about but
3: uh so while we were at the first championship we actually took the opportunity to interview the president of first uh, a gentleman named president Paul Godonis. let's let Paul explain what first is for those of you guys not familiar with it
2: well, FIRST stands for, for inspiration and recognition of science and technology. It's the world's largest robotics competition for grade school and high school students. It was started uh, about 20 years ago by inventor Dean Kamen. Right. Uh, Dean invented the Segway. He uh, uh, recently a robotic prosthetic arm. He has 400 patents for a lot of medical devices. And he got this started uh, with uh, 28 high school teams mentored by some uh, local companies uh about 20 years ago. And this year, we have 19,000 teams from grade school through high school around the world participating in our robotics competitions.
3: Like Paul said, high school teams have traveled from all around the world to compete in the championships this weekend. Did you hear him talking about that one team from the Middle East? I think it was a combination Israeli-Palestinian um, like Palestinian collaboration or something like uh, yeah, that Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. So you can see all these teams clad in their team shirts and their get ups. And there's an award for imagery, I think. So that kind of explains some of the crazy yeah. costumes. And then
1: there was like one team that was just a bunch of robots and they were, they had a human child that they were forcing to compete in the <laughs> event. No, not really.
3: Yeah, and everybody's wheeling their robots and trolleys to and from. It's, it's pretty cool.
1: Well, hey, let's hear from, uh, some of the mini teams that were competing.
3: We're team 1379, the Gear Devils
0: from Norcross, Georgia. And right now we're working on fixing our kicker. Oh, we've been competing for like about eight years. And we come to the Georgia Dome pretty much every other year.
3: Yeah, they have that awesome mascot, the Blue Devil. I think we'll get a shot of him on the blog if we can.
1: Yeah, which one is the Blue Devil?
3: He's the devil who's blue.
1: Oh, okay, gotcha. gotcha.
3: (laughs) Let's hear from another team.
4: Lunar Narwhals!
1: So we're from San Diego, California. We're a rookie team from Canyon Crest Academy High School. Yeah, I love these guys—the aluminum narwhals—and they had the the narwhal helmets on, like these helmets with these big. um It's not a tusk, is it? What do narwhals have? I guess it's a tusk, unicorn horn type deal coming out of their heads, and you know, they were awesome. Yeah,
3: they were a little bit too cool for school initially. Remember, we had to. Oh, we had get to them. chase them. Yeah. Yeah, and then they finally rallied together and shouted their team name into the microphone at the end.
1: Yeah, and they had to get a little organized. The 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 um, some of the other teams were a little faster on the the rally. So yeah, the vibe at first, I touched on this earlier, but, uh, but it's just, it's just awesome because these, these kids are running around and just enthusiastic about science and about robotics. Um, the, the parents and the, the, the volunteers, the chaperones, everybody's just like really gung ho. Um, and, and the nerdiness is like right out in the open. Uh, like just unabashed nerdiness and geekiness and just, just a, a love of science. And it's just, you know, it's in the air. It's, it's, it's infectious really. I mean, yeah. you, you just, you want to go home and hug your Roomba and. <laughs> little games to play in the living room.
3: Do you have a room, by, by I the do, way? Yeah. That's right, that's right. Yeah, and with that vibe, you kind of get excited about the future of robotics here in the United States and globally, right?
2: Yeah, because that's what it's all about.
3: Yeah, so here's First President Paul Godonis again talking about how some of the high schoolers involve in FIRST fare later in life.
2: For example, they're 50% more likely to go on to college after they graduate high school. Uh, we have $12 million of scholarships open to them to enable them to go on to college, and they're three to four times as likely to study engineering or science uh, than their peers who weren't on a team. And it's not a different group of students. Right. They just had the exposure of being on a first team, and we've got 90,000 wonderful volunteers, often professional engineers from companies like Cisco and Google and Boeing and IBM and so on. And who, NASA. And NASA, who uh, inspire these kids.
3: The U.S., of course, has had a lot of problems getting kids interested in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And now we collectively know these areas of interest as STEM, right? And the U.S. has launched initiatives like the STEM Education Coalition, which is co-chaired by folks uh, such as the American Chemical Society and the National Science Teachers Association to change that scenario. So here's Paul talking about why he thinks the U.S. has been struggling with the issue.
2: Well, things have changed uh, since when I was growing up in the 60s. Uh, it was the space race. Uh, it felt like a patriotic duty to study math and science, to get to the moon first. But today, our media tells uh, young people that the way to fame and fortune is to bounce a ball or try to sing your way onto a Hollywood stage instead of using your brain to do something useful for our society. And so that's what we're trying to do, uh, show, that it's uh, cool to be smart. So I'm pretty sure
1: that my high school did not have a robotics team. How about yours? We didn't. Yeah.
3: Would you have joined if there were one?
1: Um, see, I don't know because I, my my initial reaction would be like I you know thinking back to myself in high school, I probably would have been a little intimidated. I mean, I wasn't uh, I wasn't that much of a science dork at the time.
3: You're more of an English dork, right?
1: Yeah, and just a dork in general, I guess. But <laughs> um, but yeah, I, and I would have probably thought, hey, I don't really know how robots work, and you know and and this was you know this was olden days when they weren't in our living rooms eating dust so um so yeah i would have been a little intimidated but i but having gone to the event i know that it's more of a team type deals and it's not like you know they say all right welcome to the team go build a robot that can shoot a basketball no it's not quite like that it's it's hey we're we're working together etc
3: right so about 10 percent of u.s high schools now have uh, a first robotics team but a lot don't here's paul and why more high schools don't have robotics teams
2: well it's a good question. I mean, after all they all have a varsity basketball team or varsity uh, uh football team. You know, I think part of it is uh just learning that uh, first robotics is out there. You know, so we are expanding the number of teams, uh we're uh calling on schools, uh encouraging principals and teachers to support a team. We're finding more corporate sponsors, companies like Boeing and BA Systems and Google who will help fund teams. So I think primarily it's getting the word out so that uh, when we go into a high school, we find that uh, kids sign up when they hear about it because they think it's cool. Or even if they don't know about what it is, they get uh, they get started uh, and boom, they say, hey, this is a lot of fun.
1: And then there's also the issue of teacher pay uh, with FIRST.
3: Right. Are teachers getting paid for their efforts?
2: Let's hear from Paul on that. To the teacher, I mean, mm-hmm. I'd like to see the teachers uh, get rewarded for doing this uh, financially, uh, just like the English teacher who runs the drama club or play, or the football coach after school. Uh, so we encourage that uh, among our school teams.
3: But it's not as though teachers are the only adults involved. There are thousands of volunteers helping out, and a lot of them have related expertise that they're more than willing to share. Right? We talked to one of those volunteers, the kilt guy. Do you remember the kilt yeah, guy? The kilt. I love the kilt guy. Yeah, I think he was
1: technically a what—a utility kilt, utila kilt—I think they call him. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. He's pretty cool. We
3: talked to him about his volunteering uh, with First, and <laughs> as Robert said, a guy wearing a kilt is bound to give some good quotes.
4: Um, yeah, this is a this is a utila kilt company based in Seattle. A modern reinterpretation of the kilt, very comfortable. I'm a great supporter of unbifurcated freedom. Um, quick shout out. I hope they give you a free one. Um... Yeah, so I got involved in first uh, a couple of years ago. My, um, my son was, um, goes to a high school in Bridgewater, Massachusetts, which have a um, team called Team 88 TJ Squared, which one of the first. I don't think they were in the first year of first, but they, I think they joined in like the second year. So they're a very old veteran team. Um, and uh, he, uh, he sort of had some interest in robotics. And um, dragged me along to one of the meetings. and I'm a, I'm a research engineer, electronics engineer by training. So uh, I got involved, they needed some help with programming and electronics. I got involved initially with the team. and uh, I thought I'd give a little bit back by volunteering this year. Um, so we're running the practice field where um, teams can basically try out things they can't really try on the field or they need to work on the field. So teams are trying out the autonomous, uh, mode which is the first 15 seconds of automatic operation um, so that typically they need to do some tuning they might have several ideas they want to make sure they get the timing right etc um, and then some other teams are trying out modifications and um, just trying some you know ideas or different drive approaches which again it's in a they have a bit more time here and people aren't trying to uh, ram into you and everything so uh, it's an opportunity to to practice and to sort of you know get a Get a bit more experience before you go out into the scary stuff on the main fields.
3: I'm a great supporter of unbifurcated freedom. That, that was my best line from the whole first interview, and it didn't even come, I'm sorry from you, Paul, but it came from this volunteer guy. It was awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah, he uh, he was he was quite a character and, and was very enthusiastic about the whole event. So you're probably wondering, how does a high school team make it to the, uh, the battle pits of first, right? Well, uh, we asked Paul the same thing.
2: Typically in the fall, a high school team will get started. Uh, A teacher usually acts uh, as the liaison inside the school, uh, recruits uh, students, might be 25 students on a team, male, female students, all ages, Uh, and then a few mentors from the local area, from uh, engineering, professional firms in the area, will then form a team. And on the first Saturday of January, teams gather all across the country in auditoriums, and over the NASA satellite network, we unveil the game and it's a new game every year uh this year it's called breakaway which is robots playing soccer it's like soccer on steroids <laughs> and now uh, we unveil that game and uh, it's a new game every year because these are smart kids and mentors uh, and we give them their kit of parts 500 motors gears software sensors uh the one thing we left out was the instructions <laughs> And then they have uh, six weeks to design, build, test the robot. They have to crate it up, and then FedEx ships six hundred tons of robots to forty-four tournaments around the world. So they're in it. Uh, these are original events in Atlanta, New York, Houston, Los Angeles, Denver, Seattle, Tel Aviv, Toronto. Uh, and teams participate there. Fifty teams at an event, and the winning teams make it here to the Georgia Dome. So this is the Super Bowl of Smarts. <laughs>
3: So are any of you high schoolers interested in getting involved? Here's Paul and how you can. And in case you're a little nervous about signing up, it's a team thing, like we said before. So no one's going to expect you to build this robot all by yourself.
2: I would say just do it. Uh, there's no prerequisites. Uh, just join a team. Uh, I met a couple of uh, high school uh, girls who were on a team in New Orleans I asked him, I said, how would you get involved? He said, well, our boyfriend signed up for this team. We decided to tag along, and someone stuck a power drill in my hand, (laughs) and I'm hooked. (laughs) And she says, I've been doing this now, and I'm going to head to uh, college next year to study mechanical engineering.
1: So, again, my high school experience, uh, (laughs) going to high school in in Tennessee, um, it was mostly athletics. I remember it was like football, 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 and a little baseball uh, or softball, whatever they play. Um, a little basketball, but mostly it was football. So it was athletics. Um, you know, you had a, a few little clubs on the side, uh, and that's actually a huge deal. The whole, you know, divide between, you know, what are you going to push the kids to do? What are you going to, you know, inspire them with the idea of you know, an athletic superstar or, you know, a scientist? So we
2: asked Paul about this. Well, I'm pleased to see that uh, more high schools are now awarding a varsity letter in robotics, and some teams get sent uh, on their way to the championship with a pep rally. Uh, the day before, which is the right type of value system here. You, you get what you s- celebrate. This is what we're celebrating. Uh, but I met a young woman who, um, said, uh, she was, uh, dropping out of high school, uh, as a sophomore. And then her guidance counselor stopped her and said, you ought to join this robotics team. And she said, her mother said, you have to do this. Uh, and she said, mom, it'll be social suicide for me to join this robotics team. <laughs> Then her mother, to her credit, said, well, then you can't be a cheerleader anymore. Mm. She got on the team, uh, thrived on it, uh, and I saw her. She uh, now is a mentor of a team because she went on to get a degree in mechanical engineering. She's got a great job as a design engineer, and she says, I'm now giving back, and I think it's the coolest thing I ever did, and it really changed the course of my life.
3: Yeah, speaking of cheerleaders and females, and yeah, of course, we know that there are uh, male cheerleaders too. Did you have many male cheerleaders at your school?
1: I don't remember. Uh- I
3: don't think we did. Cheerleading was not a big thing in the Northeast where I grew up.
1: Yeah, too cold?
3: I guess so. It's soccer. Just... A lot of people played soccer. A lot of people are persistent about chasing that ball around. So we were wondering what FIRST was doing to attract female students to robotics. And it's a lot, as it turns out.
2: Uh, at the high school level, about 25% of our teams are made of females, which is higher than the science and engineering population in general. So I know we're attracting more girls uh, to the competitions uh, what we're reaching out with them in a couple ways. Uh, we've made up an alliance with the Girl Scouts and there's a Girl Scouts patch that you can earn by being on a robotics team. Uh, we just formed an alliance with the Society of Women Engineers to have, uh, these female professionals, uh, serve as mentors for these teams. Uh, and we're also, uh, awarding, uh, new areas, uh, we're entering like, uh, the Greenfield. And so we are creating uh, green recycling projects, uh, green energy audits as a way to attract more females to do things that they see socially relevant uh, beyond building a robot. And it's working.
1: Obviously, robots continue to just get more and more advanced leading up to the day when they inevitably become self-conscious and take over. Um, we didn't ask Paul about that, it, uh, though some friends of mine were really saying, hey, ask him, when. what are the chances of robots becoming self-aware at this year's first and taking over humanity? Um,
3: yeah, we should ask him about the singularity, totally.
1: Yeah, and I figure it's probably like a 50-50 shot each first, you know, get all those <laughs> robots together in one room. They're going to talk, they're going to organize.
3: Um, yeah, what goes on after the lights go down in the Georgia Dome?
1: I don't know. Maybe next year we'll find out. But we asked Paul about uh, ab- about some of the technologies that the bots are showcasing and uh, how that's changed first over the years.
3: Yeah, and what kind of technologies they're going to adopt for future competitions?
2: Well, we're getting more and more sophisticated. Like uh, this year, there's a very sophisticated video camera, and Intel helped donate uh, classmate PCs for the driver station. We're using uh, Wi-Fi as a means of communicating between the robots. Uh, And so you're going to see some awesome play out there with robots on on their own, finding the targets, shooting the balls. Uh, In the future, you'll see things like optical character recognition uh, and uh, even online simulations of what we're doing. So my favorite robot is
1: Maximilian from the Black Hole, fictional. Uh, So I had to ask Paul what his favorite robot is, and uh, he let us know.
2: Well, I saw a robot built by one of the FIRST Robotics team members with the Lego Mindstorms robot. You put a scrambled Rubik's Cube in its arms. The video camera scans it in nine seconds, transmits the data into a laptop where he's programmed an algorithm that uh, solves it in four seconds, and then instructs the arms to unscramble it and solve the entire Rubik's Cube problem in 53 seconds. And this young man is 13 years old. That is a cool robot and a pretty cool kid.
3: That's a good answer. I totally saw that video on YouTube with the Rubik's Cube uh, robot. Did you?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, it's no you know, killer red robot eviscerating Anthony Perkins, but it's pretty good.
3: <laughs> so that wraps it up for our first Stuff from the Science Lab road trip. We hope you guys enjoyed it.
1: And as always, you can type robots or robot into the search bar on How Stuff Works homepage and see what good stuff uh, that brings up. We've got things about robot armies, robots getting married. Robots becoming self-aware and taking over the world.
3: Yeah, over on Discovery News, you wrote about robots being alive. Yes. I like that article. I thought that was a good one. And, of course, we're getting more technologically advanced, too. And we are on Twitter now. Yep. So follow us on Twitter with lab LabStuff. And Randall.
1: look us up on Facebook as well. Uh, we're on there, Stuff from the Science Lab. Just put that into the bar and search for it. And uh, you can always shoot us an email at sciencestuff at howstuffworks.com. Uh, let us know what you think of the podcast. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, and let us know about your relationship with uh, with robots. If you are, a, especially if you're a member of a robotics team or a volunteer with one, uh, you know, let us know about your experiences. We'd love to hear from you.
0: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Want more how Stuff works? Check out our blogs on the howstuffworks.com homepage.
2: Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it.